This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Let's hit up the hotline, and as we do before every major, welcome in Cam Rogers, who's joining us here on the Blitz 1170, national TV sports betting host on uh, Stadium, and also there with the Believe Network. You can follow along with his tweets at Cam Rogers Live there on Twitter. What's up, Cam? How are you today, my man? What's up, guys? Great to be with you. Happy PGA Championship Week. Should be quite an electric week of golf. I believe it will be, and we had a discussion yesterday, and I would love to get your thoughts on this. And it has, since the the Tiger drop-off, um, there has been, what, a collection of anywhere between five, six, seven, eight, maybe even ten guys, I think, that have kind of picked up the um, stature of Tiger. It's taken like that many guys to carry on the stature of, of Tiger, but it's done something at least interesting with this version of the PGA. You've, you've got all those guys, right, that, that have their number if you are of the gambling type that you could look at, but all of those guys has forced maybe that second tier of golfers to have some pretty incredible numbers. And I'm speaking of the the likes of like Keegan Bradley, you know, that's at 90 to one in some places, the Corey Connors who are at 90 to one. I feel like Cam, and I don't know how you feel, but there's some really good value in that tier two, tier three guys with this PGA championship. Yeah. And that's exactly what Vegas wants out of us, right? To be tempted with those 90 to one numbers, but I'm going to throw some cold water on all of that. (laughs) The reality, the reality of the situation is this seven of the last 10 winners of the PGA championship were ranked inside the world's top 15. The only two outliers were a guy named Phil Mickelson who Mm -hmm. made magic happen at Kiowa and Jimmy Walker. So, you know, I think the PGA historically, at least the last decade or so, has been a chalkier event. So to your point, I'm with you in the sense that I don't think this is going to be John Rahm's week, Scotty Scheffler's week, Rory McIlroy's week, but there is this juicy bracket of really good players, 20 to 1 to, say, 40 to 1, Tony Finau, Jason Day, Cameron Young, Xander Shoffley is there at 16 to 1. Tyrrell Hatton is 35 to 1. So I do see some value in that bracket in the outright market. Okay. And maybe I should have rephrased that because I was throwing out numbers that were like 90 to 1 to win. Um, I also kind of incorporate that like good value because you were talking about it earlier. You've got Fowler, you've got Hatton, you've got Justin Rose. All of those yep. for like top 20 picks. There's some value that's hanging out there. And Ricky Fowler. I mean, for those that don't know, this is like nine in a row where he's finished top 40. I can't remember how many in a row now that he's had top 20 finishes, but he's finally seemingly got over the hump a little bit here at this stage in his career. There's a really good number for him to finish at top 20. Yeah, totally. I think it's great plus money, six top 20 finishes in his past eight starts. And this 2023 PGA Tour season really has been the year of comebacks. Jason Day was in ruins just last year, the year before, and he won last week. Ricky Fowler's game was absolutely horrible last year, and here he is coming on strong seventh on tour in terms of ball striking categories. T23, by the way, at the PGA last year, despite playing horribly. So that means I think he's a lock for a top 20 this week. And then somebody like a Justin Rose, too who has resurrected his career, won at Pebble Beach earlier this winter, sixth at the Players, 16th at the Masters. So you're starting to see a theme here. These grizzled veterans, if you will, in their 30s and 40s 
are starting to find that old form and that allows you to get an edge there on Vegas with some pretty good top 20 plays. Well, you brought up Jason Day a little bit earlier uh, with what he's been able to do here as of late, kind of spring back to life a little bit. Um, you know, when he wins, sometimes he seems to win in bunches, like when he went back to back in 15 and 16. Uh, confidence is such a thing with Jason, and, and he's been very open about that. But you just start to look at some of the data numbers, what, like fifth in scoring average, 17th in greens and regulation, uh, 11th in strokes gained while putting, 29th off the tee, 17th in approach. Uh, the numbers kind of add up a little bit there in the favor of, of Jason Day. And does it remind you a little bit about 10 years ago when, when Jason Duffner ended up walking away with this championship? Yeah, certainly a little bit. I mean, he was really good last week at the Byron Nelson. I actually got that pick correct. So you could say I'm a little bit hot right now with my projected winners. But yeah, to your point, he's flashing a complete game. You know, over the course of the last half decade, when Day did play well, it had nothing to do with his ball striking. He was just so magical with his short game and putter. But that is more unsustainable than your ball striking in golf, right? You can go week to week, carry over that ball striking, but the short game, the putter, typically typically a little bit more volatile. So for Jason Day, everything is working in his favor. Of course, he won the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits once upon a time. I think he can channel that a little bit here this week. Always tough winning back-to-back on the PGA Tour, so he will have to fight that. But if anybody can do it, I think it is Jason Day, a guy who – I think will carry on this momentum despite the victory for the first time in four years. And also it would be totally understandable if he did lay down a little bit, got a little bit too complacent after mm-hmm. winning last week and, you know, finish his top 30 or something like that. Totally understandable there. Is there a comp for this course? Um, I've heard kind of the, the most often one was talking a little bit about maybe the open at winged foot. That's kind of the Oak Hill comp, yep. at least this week at where, where are you at in that comp in terms of just the way that the course is laid out, which by the way is very different, right? They've, they've went and did the typical, Hey, let's, let's try to clear the path for some of these bombers, uh, since the last time that we were here at Oak Hill with a championship. Yeah, you nailed it. I think it's winged foot a la 2020 at the U S open where, Basically, Bryson DeChambeau said, forget about fairways. I'm going to try to get as close to the hole as humanly possible and bomb and gouge my way around this golf course. So I would not be surprised to see a lot of golfers employ that strategy. The golfers who can actually hit the ball far, of course, Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, these guys may just say, forget about fairways. I'm going to try to get this as close to the hole as humanly possible because the rough is very penal, but... For the shorter hitters on this golf course at Oak Hill, it's going to be serious pressure on their long irons to actually be precise and get it close to the hole and create birdie opportunities. I say this every week that distance is an advantage no matter where you play on the PGA Tour, but on this test in particular, par 70, 7,400 yards, the par fives are not eagle holes. They're three-shot holes for the most part a very much different golf course than what we saw back in 2013 with Jason Duffner. There's going to be a lot more emphasis on driving of the golf ball, distance off the tee, especially on Saturday when it's going to turn cold and rainy. For those shorter hitters, it's going to be a lot more difficult. So I'm looking at Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa. They may struggle a little bit here this week. Okay, where are you at on on Patrick Reed? We just watched him this week here in Tulsa with Liv. 
Uh, he's been very open about what he can and can't do right now. But just because we've already seen him with a T4 at the Masters, and if we're if we're using the wing foot as a comp, you know, he led pretty deep into that into 2020 uh, before he ended up fading down the stretch. In nine career starts at the PGA, he's finished in the top 24 times. I haven't seen an overall number with, with Patrick Reed, but where, in your opinion, are you at with him, Cam? Yeah, 92-1 to win this thing right next to Keegan Bradley and Justin Rose. You know, Patrick Reed is one of these guys that will get, like, minimal media attention. Nobody likes talking about him because seemingly – People just think that everybody hates him. I don't think that's, <laughs> that is necessarily true. But as far as the live results are concerned, a couple of T3s, a couple of top 20s, and I think we learned that playing well on the live tour can be conducive to playing well at a major championship. Just look at the Masters, Phil and Brooks tied for second, right? So, you know, Patrick Reed is one of those grinders who, even if you think he doesn't fit well on a particular golf course, he can still play the Patrick Reed game and score well at a major championship. Like Wingfoot, I would never peg that as a Patrick Reed golf course. Same thing here this week because he sprays it off the tee, but he is such a good grinder, probably some of the best hands in the world right now as far as scrambling is concerned. I could see him being somewhat of a factor here this weekend. Speaking of results off of Liv, I have to ask about the champion that we just saw here, Dustin Johnson. Uh, had a funny explanation for his back injury a little bit earlier today. We'll have more on that in a bit. But uh, the final PGA prep seemed like it went pretty well for Dustin Johnson, who even overcame a, a triple bogey here to put himself in a playoff with Cam Smith. Uh, DJ's chances, in your opinion, this weekend? Yeah, he's going to be a really interesting study here as we go throughout the week because his results on live have been up and down, but obviously he's coming off that victory there. So I think Dustin Johnson will certainly be a factor here this week. I wasn't overly impressed with his performance at the Masters T48. So, you know, I would pivot and look more to Brooks Kepka here this week mm. as somebody who I think will play really, really well. You know, for Dustin, I'm just not entirely sure sometimes what you're going to get from him. His results are, again, up and down on live, and he did not play well at the Masters. So, you know, maybe coming off that victory, a little too complacent, maybe not as hungry as he wants to be. I don't know. But I think it's going to be a difficult task here for Dustin Johnson. But he's an elite talent. He's fantastic. And obviously coming off a victory, so maybe that's some momentum for him. We shall see. Uh, but, yeah, I would probably lean toward Brooks and Cam Smith more so than DJ this week. Uh, Cam Rogers is our guest. Let's get to Max Homa. Uh, I saw top five was at plus 700. I I don't know where, where I'm at with Max. Like only one top 14 finish in a major. But the course yeah. with what the weather is presenting to us right now, Cam, which is it's going to be cold. It's going to be um, a little bit wet at times. And, and Max is your typical like grind it out type golfer to me. Uh, this course has high rough. It's going to be wet. It's going to be cool. Max has the ultimate ability to do this, and we have to start getting to that point of asking the question of, hey, bro, when is this going to happen for you? You know, you've continued to climb up the ranks here overall in terms of rankings, but yet the majors just haven't been there. But if there is a course that kind of would lead its way, maybe this is it for Max Homa. 
Yeah, Max Homa has really been a curious case as far as the majors are concerned. His best finish actually was here at the PGA Championship last year, T13. He was T6 at the Players' Championship, and that's regarded as the best field in golf. It's going to happen for him at some point, but the data is pretty overwhelming that you have to have at least a top five in a major championship to win the PGA championship. You look at the trends, it's overwhelming in support of that. So for Max Homa, he's tough to get a read on because he was top 10 at the Wells Fargo, which was basically a major championship-esque field. He's the sixth best player in the world, 13th on tour, tee to green. You put that all together, you would think you're getting a good finish from him this week, but maybe it's something in between the ears that he's battling whenever he shows up at a major championship. So as far as betting is concerned, I think a top 30, top 20 would be a pretty solid bet for Max Homa. But anything more than that, I probably can't go there. Uh, Final one for me, Cam, on this. If there's someone that's not getting any amount of love, in your opinion, this week, and you really like where, where they're at through the data, through the numbers, and kind of what trends to be successful at the PGA, is there someone off the top of your head right now that's not getting talked enough about? Xander Shoffley is my pick to win, and I don't think he's being talked about enough. Everything is there. The data is there. Tenth at the Masters, top five at the RBC Heritage. That was an elevated event on the PGA Tour. Top ten at the Wells Fargo, fourth tee to green over the last 50 rounds, fifth in par four efficiency, fifth in strokes gained total at the majors the past 50 rounds. He won on a Donald Ross-designed golf course called East Lake. Back in 2017 at the Tour Championship, this week, Oak Hill, Donald Roth design. I think Xander Shoffley finally breaks through. It's his time, 16 to 1. I know you got to lay some chalk there. I think mm. he's number four on the board right now. But I think it's all there. Xander Shoffley wins this week. Only Brooks Kepka and Tiger Woods have more top 20s in their first 25 career major starts than Xander. So a uh, pretty mm. good level of consistency there as well. Cam, good stuff, man. Where can people find you uh, if they're looking for more of your solid information? Yeah, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cam Rogers Live. We've got my stadium TV show Friday night, 9 o'clock Eastern time, talking Preakness and, of course, the PGA Championship. Awesome stuff, Cam. Always appreciate your time with us here in Tulsa. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much. Cam Rogers here on the Blitz 1170, giving you a little PGA Championship preview. That's not – listen, I get it. You're – you're laying like minimal juice if you're looking at Shoffley, but he he's right. Everything is there in terms of what you want if you're looking for a winner this weekend at the PGA. Can he find a way to do it? We shall see. All right, it's 219. We'll take a timeout here on the Blitz 1170. Hey, don't forget, Bedlam Baseball tomorrow, 6 o'clock right here on the Blitz. 6 o'clock Friday night, and then we've got the series coming your way, I believe at 3.30 on Saturday, which gives us enough time to even hit pregame for the Tulsa Oilers football team, which will come your way at 8.30 p.m. on Saturday night because they are in Las Vegas taking on the Nighthawks from Las Vegas. So Bedlam Baseball, 6 o'clock tomorrow. 6 o'clock Friday, 
3.30 Saturday here on the Blitz 1170. And when we come back, we'll even look ahead to what some of the projections say about where our teams could be headed when we come back on the other side of this timeout here on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.